1: Block Talk Radio
2: Welcome to another segment of the Cisco and Balasone Hour on broadcast and politics. Tonight we have a special guest, Matt Rosenberg. It's the author of a new book, What's Next, Chicago knows of a pissed off native son. Okay? He is definitely uh, he's not happy with the urban progressive government that have badly undermine these claims to lift the cities off the ground for success. Anyway, go ahead. Mark, any rant? Yes, for today? Yes,
1: hello. Hello, uh, Cisco. Yeah, my, my rant of the day. I saw an, uh, an amazing stat yesterday. It said murders in the United States up 29% in 2020. Now, we all know where many of these murders are occurring in the cities run by Democrats. So I'm just flabbergasted that there are people out there that still think Democrats care about folks when they're the cause of this increase of murders, and they actually justify it and defend the, the, the murderers. So uh, that's your Democrat Party, 29% increase in murders. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There could be a million corpses rotting in the street, and they wouldn't, they being the Democrats, they wouldn't give a damn mm-hmm. about that. Them. And a stat like this just proves it. And this is the party that says they care about people. Get lost, <laughs> they care. No way. I mean, murders up 29% under their jurisdiction. Thank you very much. Good night. Now, the guest we have tonight is, happens to be talking about the crime in Chicago, which is, uh, right. exactly. uh, you, you know, a classic example of what we're talking about. So, exactly. You know, exactly. It, it just jives in with that. But uh, yes. yeah, tell me again, Democrats care about people. Tell me again so I can slap you when you do.
2: That's all. <laughs> well, I'm going to bring up um, – that was great. Fantastic, because it brings us up right right to what we are going to be discussing tonight. Now – I think one of the things that uh, it's, it's happening today, not just in the United States, but all, all over the world, is the fact that the, the resistance to the medical tyranny that under Creepy Joe's administration is basically increasing. The more they push, the more we push back. And that's happening not in the United States, but look at what's happening in in, in France and Switzerland and other parts of uh, of the world. They have these mandatory vaccinations. So what are people doing? They're bringing little tables and sitting in front of restaurants just to basically tell them, we don't really need you guys. We can still eat out, but we still are able to enjoy our, our freedom. That's number one. Number two, the crisis on the border, totally out of control. You know? They want to destroy the economy of the United States. It's obvious. If you can't see that, you're blind. You know? The more push, it's
1: well, basically they have this... Of they want to destroy everything American, everything Western, everything Christian, everything fi- nuclear family has to be destroyed. You notice how they've ruined football, baseball, basketball, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. I mean, the list can go on and on. They're, they're, you know, you, you want to talk about a mutating virus. It's the damn Democrat Party.
2: <laughs> That's very well said. Yeah, it's, it it sure is. Uh, it mutates every day, and and and, and again, the southern voter is just overrun, overwhelmed, and and but let me let's bring on Matt Rosenberg. Okay, I'm back. That was something that we did not anticipate, so.
1: so it's just us tonight. No problem. I could sing and dance. I guess we're waiting for him. I, I don't I don't know if this is dead air or not and we but we're waiting for Cisco to get our guest on the line. Yes, and we are sponsored by Students for a Better Future, a 501c3. Please, if you can, donate. It is tax-deductible, and uh, your, uh, any donations, 100%, uh, would go towards our activity. Uh, actually, uh, it wouldn't even probably put a dent in how much is actually spent, but it would be would help.
2: Okay, hold, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me just, uh, for some reason, I keep getting disconnected from his number.
1: Yes, again, we are sponsored by Students for a Better Future.
2: All right, we're back. Can you uh can
1: you can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Okay. Yes, I hear you.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. For some reason we're having uh I'm I'm having an issue. Okay. Uh So, as we continue uh, we should have uh oh. Okay, we should have um Matt call, uh, Hello? calling us. Matt Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> How are you? Some 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 communication lines the issues we were having. So welcome Matt uh Rosenberg Thank to you. our yeah. program. Apologize, we've never Thank had you for that having issue. You. All right. Tonight. And it was it was part of the monologue that we just had. My co-host here, he brought the whole situation about crime in urban cities. And I said to him, perfect. We have an excellent guest tonight who's going to be basically discussing mm-hmm. this. <laughs> the city of Chicago is a great city. And um, mm-hmm. I... Been there quite a few times, and I, and I and I and I adore. Even in the winter, it's a fantastic city. What What's the mo- most vivid memory of living and in, in growing up in, in, in Chicago?
0: Wow, um, there are so many. I mean, I moved here in 1964 as a six-year-old. Um, I remember going to the old Chicago Stadium and seeing the Blackhawks play when there were 6 teams <laughs> in the NHL. Uh
1: yeah. that
0: was pretty awesome. I, I call it in my book, I call it a, a beer soaked cathedral of noise. There are no fans <laughs> like like Blackhawks fans. I remember my <laughs> father take I it, it was intense. I loved it. Um I remember my father taking me to uh, the protests in Lincoln Park in 1968 when the Yippies and Jerry Rubin, and I'm sure that's before your time, when they came to protest at the Democratic National Convention. And there was like not, a... Not before my time,
1: sir. I, I remember no. call all those days. Was Very back. good. I went, well, to, high, I, I went yeah. to high school at Greenwich Village. During the Vietnam okay. protest period, so yeah. Well, yeah I'm, I'm the co-host. Anyway, right. go on. So
0: sorry to interrupt, well, it, but I can really could really identify. No,
1: no, that's
0: good. It's good to be speaking to a fellow traveler through the ages. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, totally. Thank you for correcting me. I assume everyone no, is younger than you, me. Uh, you know, how joining those,
1: you.
0: Yeah. What, 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 so. I, I just remember, I remember this really sticks with me. I remember watching the undercover Chicago cops looking at all the hippies, and they were in tents doing Lord knows what inside their tents. It was a funny smell in the air. Later that night, a rock group came to play called the MC5 from Detroit. Uh, we had split by then. But I remember the undercover cops sitting there in their polyester slacks looking around, And they looked like they didn't know how they were going to handle what was starting to brew. And that's interesting, you know, because if we flash forward now to the year 2020 and the protests that broke out in Chicago after George Floyd's death and then what followed Mm -hmm. after those protests is is just everything went out the window here in Chicago, all semblance of social order, all semblance really of social decency in many ways considering the crime wave that we're having. Uh, It's just quite a continuum over the ages, and the city is still having problems, you know, managing uh, protests, managing political dissent, and um, there's just a whole lot of hairy stuff going on here in Chicago.
2: Definitely, definitely. So when you brought up the Blackhawks, I, I Mm -hmm. I, I grew up as a Ranger fan. No. So, yeah, me too.
1: Me too. As a matter of fact, dad, first pack game games it. I went to, Andy Bathgate was still the captain of the Rangers before they traded him to Toronto. That's how far I go back. And, yes, I've seen mm. old Blackhawk games. And one of my uh, disfavored Blackhawks was Elbows <laughs> Nestorenko. <laughs> Eric Nestorenko. Yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> what an ugly mug, but what great elbows. <laughs> yeah. that's so well you know and i mentioned the i mentioned the nhl in my book because you know there's a thing going (laughs) on here so back in the day when there were and this relates to city and competition between cities in the modern age and the ability of cities to adapt or fail to adapt and i see cities like you know, New York now, and you guys know the landscape much better than I, but it's promising to see a guy. You know Eric Adams better than I do. All I can tell you is he sure looks a hell of a lot better than Bill de
1: Blasio. So Thank maybe God. there are some. Curtis, don't sell out Curtis yet. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone mm-hmm. in the city is sick and tired of the crime, and when
0: mm-hmm. you think
1: of fighting crime, Curtis Sliwa is the poster boy.
0: No, I, so I hear you. I will not sell him
1: out yet. You know, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah, respect he, that. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> it, it, Yeah, he's it, 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 not found the Guardian Angel, yet. who, who yeah. back in the 70s, back in the 70s, mm. when New York was like uh, a madhouse, you know, this is before mm-hmm. Giuliani, the Guardian right? Angel took to the subways to protect the uh, commuters. And they've been known and they've been doing that for decades since then. Decades. 50 yeah. years almost yeah. they've been doing it. Yeah. So Very don't tell out. You know, but I know what you're saying about no. Eric Adams. He yeah. seems to be the only yeah. person on the Democrat side would at least have his feet on the ground, for God's sakes, yeah. you know, and not up in the air. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And to me, and that's part of a larger issue, which is the ability of cities to innovate, to welcome uh, and encourage school choice, to get a handle on their finances, to understand that we need more foot patrols, not just cops riding around in cars answering 911 calls, but If you look at where people are moving now, and a lot of people are leaving Chicago. Now, we have a lot of uh, Latino and Asian influx that's keeping the population right about where it was at the last census. But blacks and whites are leaving for a lot of good reasons. So they're moving to places like Chattanooga is hot. Who would have thunk it? Nashville is incredibly hot. People are going to Atlanta. Atlanta. They're going to Austin, Texas, to a million other towns in Texas. They're going to Utah. They're even coming out to the Intermountain West, to places like Boise, and certainly Denver. And they're Salt Lake. They're looking for a better quality of life, safe streets, schools that actually teach, politicians that aren't crooked. So, back in the day, we had six teams in the NHL. You look at it now. You know, there's three NHL teams in California. We got them in North Carolina. I think Tennessee, we got them in Texas. They're all over the place. And it shows in a roundabout sort of backhand way. My theory of the NHL and, you know, urban competition is the places where you've seen new NHL franchises pop up in the last 10, 20 years, not so coincidentally are the centers for growth in this country, right? It's where a lot of corporate relocation and household relocation is occurring for important reasons. So if Chicago and New York and Newark and Detroit and Cleveland and St. Louis and Philadelphia in those cities cannot start to pull it together and can not start to engineer a new politics where the teachers' union does not run the show totally in the public schools, if they cannot start to engineer a new environment, for policing, where police are not the bad guys, you know, where the bad guys are the bad guys. If they cannot start to do things like this uh, and attack the endemic corruption, at least in places like Chicago and change some very rigged rules of governance that like nobody ever talks Mm -hmm. about, but I do in my book, if they can't do these things, you know, uh, they're going to be toast in 10 years. So that's kind of, you know, the call to arms. And then when I saw things going sideways during the civil unrest, quote unquote, in 2020, I felt I had to come back here. And that's sort of how this book got started.
2: And, and we're going to cover the book and we're going to promote the book. But I wanted, I wanted to touch on three topics. Number you one bet. is Be- Beetlejuice. They call her Beetlejuice Lightfoot. The mayor of Chicago, <laughs> who has been in utter disgrace as a mayor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, the day, mm-hmm. I thought the days, and Ram Emanuel, who were the previous mayors of Chicago, were horrible. This person, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, has taken over. During her tenure as mayor of, of Chicago, crime mm-hmm. is up just this year, six, uh, 16%. 2,500 people have been shot in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Basically, her policies have basically pushed people out of Chicago and out of uh, the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. What's your take on on the current mayor, Lori Beetlejuice Lightfoot? I talk about Lori Lightfoot a lot in my book,
0: but to answer you, so, I mean, you can't not Talk about Chicago under her administration It has been a complete disaster Now to me there's some nuance here So it's useful to consider The background She is an intelligent accomplished woman She worked as a a U.S. assistant attorney For the federal prosecutors in Chicago She put corrupt Chicago aldermen in jail She's a graduate of the University of Chicago law school my old neighborhood of Hyde Park on
1: the south uh-huh. side
0: where I grew where I grew up a fascinating place so many people have come from there Barack Obama just adopted the neighborhood he was a latecomer um but you know uh-huh. give Barack his due um so Laurie was beloved by the good government groups everybody was happy to see her come in Intelligent, accomplished, worked on a hot hot potato, police accountability issues. Not a nobody. Very good civic resume. Smart woman. Lifted herself up from uh, difficult circumstances in her childhood in in Ohio. She grew up poor, so there was every reason to expect that when she said she would bust up corruption and make fixing the rigged rules of the game her number one priority, there was every reason for everybody to fall all over themselves. And they did, and she got elected, and then she folded right away under pressure. Uh, As soon as the riots and looting started after George Floyd, she was not prepared, the city was not prepared, and the minute she came under fire from the aldermen for the out-of-control crime and violence on the streets, she immediately lost her cool, and she's been losing her cool ever after. But worse than that, If you really want to get, in my mind, to the nub of what makes your administration such a disaster, I can think of two things. Number one is the preoccupation with systemic racism, when what we really have now is systemic misrule at the hands of an urban political elite that is increasingly of color. We've got a black mayor. We've got a black chief judge of Cook County, Tim Evans, who deserves much more abuse than he gets. It's all focused on the prosecutor, our George Soros Uh. prosecutor, Tim Fox, who deserves, you know, plenty of criticism for things that she's done to contribute to lawlessness and and a lack of consequences for serious violent criminals. But Tim Evans is the guy who set the course on bail reform. So Evans, uh, Lightfoot, and Fox, top important officials in Chicago and Cook County, all black city council, 32 Latino and black aldermen, 18 white. So what we have here with everything going wrong, broken courts, broken schools, broken finances, and really a broken public dialogue with this official preoccupation of systemic racism, what we really have is this urban political elite of color running the city right into the ground. This is a city where black lives don't matter, you know, and it's because of the people in charge. They do nothing to, to change things around, to, to create an environment where police can do their jobs. They do nothing to put violent criminals away when they should be put away. Instead, they let them out on 250 or $500 bond before their trial for gun charges or carjacking. And they go right out all too often and do the same stuff all over again. Sometimes guys who've been let out on low-cash bond for gun violations, which, by the way, is not a serious crime, according to our state's attorney, not a serious charge, they'll go out and kill people. And then you've got 2,000 people leaving anguished comments on a Facebook page. I've literally seen it. It's, people are at their wit's end, and black people are talking about black-on-black crime but our black leaders say we're not allowed to talk about it. And it affects everybody. Obviously, I'm a white guy. You know, there's just a whole lot here that's awful. We're all Chicagoans. We're all people. We're all sons and daughters and mothers and fathers, grandparents and grandchildren. And when you see black community elders being killed in Chicago in a parking lot because some punk comes up, and tries to carjack their car and then punches them in the head and they die. And this happened in Hyde Park a month or two ago. A guy was a veteran, 73, going to buy groceries to go over to his daughter's mm-hmm. house and have dinner yep. with his daughter and granddaughters. And and just like that, and it turns out the two young men that did it, you know, had priors and one was on probation thanks to Kim Fox. So it's Lightfoot, but it's Fox too. And it's also Tim Evans. And we can't even talk about it. We can't call out black leaders for failing black people because it might be racist to say so. So we're living, you know, in a place with funhouse mirrors. Everything is distorted. And we can't even get started on an honest conversation. But here's the good news, sort of pleading through all of this. People are starting to say enough already. You know, basta, right? It's just no more uh there's something brewing here now how far it'll go i can't say but people are fed up i gotta tell you people in chicago are completely fed up
1: people all over you know what gentlemen i challenge anyone to produce the name of any urban democrat mayor that has bettered their city and uh I think it's going to be a blank sheet, you know. I don't see anyone coming up with anything, any even any state, for God's sakes, that these Democrats yep. seems to leave. They, they all, I, I, you know, and, and that's because of the Marxist influence in their party. And like we said at the top of the show, the Marxist goals are just the destruction and degradation of Western and American and Christian civilization and economy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, gentlemen, mm-hmm. because... No one's D- going to come up D- with D- a name, right? There's no D- names. D- I can't D- think of any city improved with democratic leadership. And some of these cities have had Democrat leadership for decades, like Chicago. I mean, what is it, sixty, seventy years? Of uh um, yep. the, yep. the, the last
0: Republican, the last Republican mayor in Chicago left office in 1931. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, 90. it's... it's, it's it's been a while but you know, I got to say, I agree with you, and i I, I want to throw this out there myself. I'm a cantankerous independent, right? I'm not even a Republican. i voted for Democrats, I've voted for Republicans in my now many decades on the surface of this planet and there are Democrats out there I've seen them, I call them charter school charter school Democrats uh, I've seen them in Washington state, where I've lived for a good part of the last 20 30 years um and you know there are democrats who know how to do the right thing and uh, yeah, no disrespect to curtis but if eric adams gets in he'll be in a, in a way a role model how he'll actually yep. perform will be another matter but i don't think that we can sit here holding our breath whether we're you know democrats republicans or independents waiting for a republican political resurgence in the big cities, that's not going to be how change happens. I think it's got to be more of a bottom-up rising. And, frankly, it starts in the home. It starts with faith and family and family cohesion. And it's the total opposite of, of what's been programmed into everybody. And the funny thing is, you know, it's not just, quote, the kids and the students in college. The people who are running our cities now, you know, the 40- and 50 year old. In City Hall, who run the departments and put out the reports yeah. and set the official tone and rhetoric, they came up in college when a lot of this Marxist socialist stuff had already taken yeah. hold. So their entire worldview is shaped by this sort of redistributionist, identity politics-driven agenda that's essentially been everywhere but the hard sciences you know, for the last 40 or 50 years in academia. It's even creeping into the hard sciences now, amazingly enough. Yep, yep. So it's, it's very much uh, a case of the universities have been poisoning this, and it's not coincidental. They knew that this was the place to go to start to change. Yep, and yep,
2: everything, definitely.
0: you know, here we see people being shut down. You know, there are things you can't even talk yep. about. There are campaigns to, to cancel people. There was a newspaper columnist, a great guy, and actually he does still a radio show when he's out on his own now, a guy named John Cass, who uh, was at the Chicago Tribune. He took over after Mike Mike Royko left off, the legendary Chicago columnist. Well, Cass became conservative over the years, and a year or two ago he wrote a column where he called out essentially the Soros uh, prosecutors, you know, these (laughs) – County prosecutors like Kim Fox, who have actually gotten campaign funding from George Soros, but who all have this approach of going light and going easy on serious criminals. So he called out something glaring and obvious, and guess what happened? Nine of his fellow uh, uh, staffers at the Chicago Tribune, reporters who were in the Newspaper Union Guild, wrote a public letter calling for his column to be moved off of page three because – by calling out Soros and his agenda, he was being anti-Semitic, they, <laughs> and it was ridiculous. Um, but it turned yeah. into a huge thing. There was this whole effort yeah. to cancel John Katz over calling out something obvious, and there was nothing in yeah. that column that was anti-Semitic in the least. And many Jewish people, uh, you know, spoke up to defend him. But it's what happens now. You know, if you if you talk about inconvenient truths you're going to be labeled a racist or a hater of some kind. Yeah. So it's a way of cheating. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because I think it goes along with the poisoning of, of minds, the minds yeah. who now run our cities in the university. You know, there's no tolerance of debate. There's no tolerance no. Uh, of really diversity of thought. So diversity turns out to be a fairly shallow concept, in my opinion.
2: Definitely. Uh, Matt, we have 254 You have a question for Matt Rosenberg. Mm, A comment. I think that uh, it's become an American uh, problem with all these cities that have so much crime going on. It's no longer a Republican or just
1: a uh, Democrat. It is an American problem.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that wholeheartedly.
0: We're we're really, we're we're all in this together. And the dichotomy is disturbing. Sometimes I was downtown looking at the great, beautiful skyline last Saturday night, watching a great blues concert to celebrate the 50th anniversary of a great local record label here called Alligator Records. Um, Puts out some of the best blues music in the world. Started right here 50 years ago out of a guy's car trunk. So a friend of mine who was with me said, look at this, Matt. This is why Chicago is still a brilliant place. The beautiful skyline, the great music, the fresh breeze coming off Lake Michigan. Thousands of happy people. There's still a lot of good here. And I thought, yeah, you got a point. Then later, I said to myself, how many people got shot this weekend, Matt? How many people died? And, of course, they're doing updates every weekend, you know, every four hours. So Monday morning is when the real count comes down. And it was a good week, good weekend. We only had 56 people shot and nine killed. And so to me, yeah. So to me, that's an American problem. That's a Chicago problem. It's not a white problem, a black problem, Republican, Democrat, or independent, or libertarian. It's just a problem. And, you know... We depend on tourism, among other things. The mayor was talking about putting a casino downtown. Well, now we've got armed robbery crews jumping out of carjacked SUVs and relieving like 20 people of their wallets and cell phones over the course of like two hours. We've got random stabbers on the side, on the sidewalks. There was a guy with a hammer on the on the CTA uh, train, the Red Line the north-south yeah. transit spine of our city, and he had priors for going at bus passengers with knives. You know, it's just like this is a problem that transcends all labels. I completely agree with the caller. Matt, please uh, promote your book and in in your website. Absolutely. So my book is called What Next, Chicago? Notes of a Pissed-Off Native Son. So it's for sale mainly, I know, mainly on Amazon. So this is print on demand. So we got to market very quick, but the conditions were it's basically at Amazon. So save your Amazon okay. complaints for another day, good folks. <laughs> Some of my friends have given me that. I'm like, hey, they let me turn around this book in about three weeks. You know, it's fantastic. So go to Amazon, search for What Next Chicago at Amazon and my website where you'll find a lot of good reading and also a purchase link for the book is called dot And that's schooled with a K
2: Chicago now,
0: dot com. You'll find great pictures of Chicago. You'll, you'll, you'll find some long essays by me about Chicago corruption and crime and growing up here. And the book, again, at Amazon, What Next Chicago. Also, I'm on Twitter at Chicago Schooled, with a K, in schooled.
2: Definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll promote your book on, on, our, um, on our website. Uh, I appreciate we that. We have to – definitely, definitely. Uh, we, we have to also include that Chicago has one of the strictest gun uh, laws in the nation, despite it does, it, yes, the crime well, wave continues.
0: It it does, and there's this illusion that if we just ratchet up the gun laws and make them somehow more strict, which is not really possible, because there were efforts to make them even tighter that were defeated in legal challenges in years uh, past that if you somehow manage to ratchet up the gun laws and make them even tighter and harder, that this will change things. And the thing is, and it's the oldest thing in the world, any cop will tell you, anybody with any street savvy will tell you, criminals, don't play by our rules. So, you know, the guns are not going to stop. And Chicago police are actually doing a pretty darn good job uh, interdicting uh, illegal guns. They're seizing thousands upon thousands of illegal guns, but they just don't stop coming in. And I always like to reverse engineer things. When you peel this thing back and walk it back and back and back, the real problem here is that young men, almost always young men of color, are using guns on each other for really, really lousy reasons. And if you trace it back, you know, they're shooting each other literally over rap videos. We've got this uh, rap style here called Chicago Drill. And, you know, the name is unfortunately all too real because people will disrespect some other gang member in a video that get, gets a rap video posted to Insta or Twitter or even Facebook. And then guys will come out on a block because everybody knows where everybody else lives, right? And they'll just right. spray the block. So there's no impulse control and there's a really funny concept of, of respect. So, you know, there's, that's what's really going on. So we need, we need young men to be raised in such a way that they don't resort to guns the instant they feel threatened or insecure. So to me, that's the problem. It's not changing the gun laws. And it's another example of sort of distorting the debate. You know, Lightfoot loves mm-hmm. to talk about our gun problem and our racism problem she doesn't talk about our child rearing problem because she'd have to put too much skin in the game and there's no easy win there real quick whereas if you denounce racism well boom you're a social justice hero you know to a certain uh, sector of the electorate and you know three quarters to two-thirds of the electorate here does not vote in our local elections even though we get 70% of registered voters at the presidential elections. We have our local elections in odd-numbered years in February and April. And I understand from a friend who lives in Queens, a former cop who's a professor of criminology at John Jay University, really cool guy, named Peter Mm -hmm. Moskos. Uh, He wrote a book called Cop in the Hood for his Ph.D. dissertation. He was a Baltimore cop for one year. We were talking on the phone not so long ago, and I had a chance to interview him and soak up some of his wisdom, which I tried to reflect uh, adequately in my book. Peter's a real neat guy. And I was talking to him about the timing of the local elections in Chicago, and he said, God damn, we got the same thing going on here in New York. Uh, And we also have really low turnout in our local elections. And you know who votes it's the public employee union members and, and a large right. handful of white progressives, and everyone else is sitting it out. So I think, you know, to elect a politician who will call out family breakdown, who will call out gang culture, who will call out the teachers' union, it's going to take, and again, we come back to we're all in this together, never mind about political party or race. In this case, it's going to take more more people in communities of color stepping up and voting and getting into that old fashioned civic engagement. Um, We need a dramatically higher uh, voter turnout in cities like Chicago and New York and many of the other failing cities, dramatically higher voter turnout in the local election. It's easy to vote for president. I think the solution in Illinois and Chicago is to change state law So that Chicago would be allowed to have its local elections at the same time, exact same days, as the presidential primary and the presidential general election. That would be an absolute game changer, and the powers that be don't want that. So, you know, in my book, I try to get at some of the practical things we can do about rig rules, about expanding school choice, about better policing strategies, like going back to more foot patrols. Um, It's not completely hopeless, and you guys know this also. I try to shine a light on success stories, families that have made it, you know, former gangbangers that turned their life around, young women who were uh, teenage mothers, single, all alone, working in Burger King, who managed to completely turn their life around. And for instance, in the case of one woman I got to meet and write about, become a realtor and then an entrepreneur running a Christian home school. Um, you know, there are all kinds of fantastic success stories. There was a whole class of young black women who just graduated from a training course as electricians, certified electricians. Mm. Who doesn't want to see something like that happening, right? This is down in Woodlawn on the south side, just south of Hyde Park, right near where the Barack Obama Presidential Library is going to go in. Is one of the hardest-hit neighborhoods in the whole city of Chicago, Woodlawn. And there's a pastor there named the Reverend Corey Brooks who's just dealing it. He's doing great things, and he was the one who set up this class for black female electricians. So, you know, there's, there's literally a million points of light. We just got to find them, sing their praises, and get real about families, faith, you know, uh, family cohesion, and parents doing their jobs. Nobody wants to talk about that. It's too old-fashioned, and you got to put too much skin in the game. So I say that absolutely has to change.
1: Definitely. Seven
2: three two five three nine. do you have a question for mister. Rosenberg no, this time uh, poverty rate Matt in Chicago, as of today twenty point six rate one in four individuals in Chicago are living below the poverty level that's mm-hmm. another another failure by a progressive mayor uh that you know we've been told that the progressives are very, very passionate and compassionate about the poor. And for such a long time, urban cities have not progressed the way they should have progressed. Poverty, uh, run down, broken down, drug-infested areas continue (laughs) <laughs> to be part of the uh, living of these neighborhoods and these urban cities. Mm-hmm. And everyone assumed that just because a minority would come into play and be the center of attention and be the the, the head of the local government, everything would change in every urban city. Yes. Yes. That's been a, a, a total failure.
0: You know, you raise two very important issues. One is this idea of uh, representation by race, and that's something we're dealing with now in the remap. That's a little bit of inside baseball. Maybe we'll have a chance to get to that in a minute. But to your main point about what I call ghost neighborhoods, in poverty, I learned some interesting things when I went deep into the south side in late 2020. You know, I moved into Bridgeport, which is the ancestral Irish neighborhood, and it used to be quite racist. It's uh, more diverse now and a really interesting place. And you see a lot of what makes Chicago vibrant there. But I went much deeper into the south side. I saw a real great turnaround in a neighborhood called Pullman where they used to make the Mm. Pullman sleeper cars for the railroad. Fascinating place. There's a new national monument there. But for the first part of the 20th century, Pullman was riding high, and there was a black middle class. There was beautiful Victorian townhomes. Things started to slide toward the middle of the century, and by 1980, it was a very hard hit. Uh, poverty stricken neighborhood there was a big turnaround started around 2010 twenty thirteen and, and this this was uh, this was still in the time of Daly the second and then Rahm emanuel. Some good things did happen under the watch of each even though overall a lot of things got worse. They had a large land parcel they redeveloped with something called new market tax credits in something called tax increment financing, which is often misused in Chicago, but was used well in Pullman. And they took an old industrial brownfield site, turned it into a great office park with a lot of new jobs. But more importantly than that, uh, the Chicago Neighborhoods Initiative, CNI, started a micro-lending program. So guess what's happening in Pullman? They're lending money almost entirely to uh, borrowers of color Many of them are ex-convicts, and what are many of them borrowing money for, Twenty or 40000 at a pop only? They're starting delivery fleets. Uh, they're starting their oh, wow. own small package delivery companies. Yeah, Amazon works you like a dog, that's for sure, but you can make real money, and they don't care if you have a record. They show if you show up and manage to do volume every day, on your delivery runs, right? That's what it's all about. Um, so, I mean, they're even doing training, the Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives. It's a community development corporation, and that's a type of beast that I think can be very crucial in revitalizing some of these neighborhoods. They're doing training in penal institutions, and the number one thing mm. they hear from guys who are still in there is, I want to start, I want to get a job driving a truck somehow or other. And where a lot of them end up on the south side is doing this this kind of work. So that's great. That creates stable homes, stable incomes. It's a great thing. But then you've got about 10 to 15 neighborhood downtowns that are totally gone. They're around the bend. They're scary, scary places. But back in the 70s, they were absolutely vibrant. So that was when we had a middle class and particularly a black middle class in Chicago. So how to bring back these neighborhoods um, is a real conundrum. Uh, Without going into all the details, I can tell you that if people buy the book and read it, they will read one fascinating and frankly very colorful case study of a neighborhood right next to Pullman that's uh, grappling with what I just discussed. It once was great. Now their neighborhood downtown is shot. It's a neighborhood called Roseland. It's very near where Barack Obama used to do some work as a community organizer. And the very same Michigan Avenue that the very same Michigan Avenue that you guys know about, because it's part of our fancy downtown area in Chicago, that very same Michigan Avenue goes another, you know, 10 15 miles down to roseland that same michigan avenue looks like syria or somalia when you get to roseland and i walked it and i talked to people and i looked at what was going on there guys tried to sell me drugs there's fly dumping everything's burned down there's a few businesses black-owned businesses that have been there for years real troopers They're still there. There's a donut shop that's been there 50 years. Um, But it's absolutely gone to seed. And the thing is, they have historic architecture there, right? And they're right next to this grand new uh, national monument in Pullman, where they refurbished all the old factories and a beautiful old clock tower that were part of the Pullman uh, rail car complex. And then just a few miles up the road is going to be the great new uh, Barack Obama Presidential Center. And it will be a grand facility and very beautiful, even though it's been controversial because they're rerouting some streets and they've taken parklands for it. I think it'll be a plus along with the new national monument. And Pullman-Roseland is right next to all this good stuff that's been happening in Pullman. In my book, I kind of put down a marker. And I say if Chicago cannot manage to do a turnaround in Roseland, um, which is emblematic of like 10 or 12 other black neighborhood downtowns that need to be brought back to life, if we can't pull this off in the Roseland community on the south side of Chicago, I don't know where we can pull it off because it has so much going for it. So you're, you're quite right to focus on urban poverty And a lot of it goes back to the neighborhood. And it doesn't all come from city hall and developers and tax breaks. The people in the community have to step up. Um, They really have to step up. So that starts with mom and dad and junior. It starts with the city schools, too, that Lori Lightfoot will not fix and that she has been willfully making worse. So, you know, it all turns into one big ball of yarn in a way in the end. The schools, the economy, the political leadership, the political rhetoric. And, you know, we've got about like seven or eight moving parts here, right, including the city budget and public uh, employee pension fund debt, which I'm sure is an issue you guys know about because yeah. it's endemic oh, yeah. to all these de- Democratic-run cities. So it's all a, a big ball of yarn with many strands, right, that are all tangled up together together. And if you mess up one or two things, you're in a bad way. But if you're messing everything up, you know, you're really behind the eight balls. So I think the poverty uh, and the lack of opportunity, um, you know, leads to crime. The lousy public schools help lead to crime. Absent parents help lead to crime. And the prevailing progressive rhetoric, you know, tries to paint it all over right with with right. with happy faces and it's there, there's not a happy face to be seen in these neighborhoods so there's just a whole, whole well, lot of work to do
2: a whole we, great I lot mean, of work to do i personally wish chicago the very best because i i i do i've been to chicago quite a bit for work um and it's a great city and I got a chance to go to uh, uh, Lake Geneva, you mm-hmm. know, which a lot of people from Chicago it's to sp- spend a lot of time there. But one of the things that mm-hmm. I-, I wanted to touch on, because we got we got seven minutes to go, uh, mm-hmm. the police officers. This year, we've had the city of Chicago has had three hundred sixty-three police officers who have left. That's more mm-hmm. than the number who retired the previous year. Mm-hmm. The, the constant defund the police, defund the police, that is not mm-hmm. going to make the city of Chicago or any urban cities, I mean, Minneapolis, St. Paul's, the Twin Cities, New York, all mm-hmm. the urban cities have been pushing. It's going to continue to make these cities worse when it comes to crime mm-hmm. by this defunding the police.
0: There is a very hostile atmosphere toward police among many segments of the community and that is the reason that they are leaving they're feeling it in you know three or four or five different ways and it affects how they do their work too they they don't poke their nose into stuff that formerly they would have and that we would want them still to be poking their nose into if a guy is in an alley looking around and acting furtively at two or three in the morning before this hostile atmosphere toward police became so entrenched, most cops would, would go approach the guy and say, Hey, what are you doing? They would check it out. Now they let him pass. This kind of thing is going on in New York too. I learned from right. my, uh, my friend and my source, Peter Moskos. Uh, It's going on in a lot of other cities. And, yes, they are leaving in droves. And, I mean, I think we all agree, you know,
1: George Floyd
0: was not the only example. Police can screw up, just like, you know, a factory worker or a teacher or a politician can screw up. Police are human, too. They make mistakes. And when they do and when it's really clear, they deserve the consequences. And we've seen that happen in Chicago and it was justified. But this idea that we're going to paint all police as, you know, you've seen the phrase ACAB, right? You know what those hmm. letters stand for. You've seen the signs yeah. that say F- F12, right? We've seen yep. people torching, torching police vehicles at peaceful protests, excuse me, mostly peaceful <laughs> protests, you know, for BLM. <laughs> And Uh, and there's just this generalized attitude of very deep disrespect toward the police. And guess what? You go into a place like, say, Englewood on the south side. I met a man named Daryl Smith there, a 51-year-old black man. He was the guy in the summer of 2020 who, when the BLM protesters came into Englewood to the local police precinct, which Daryl helped build along with his friends in the laborers' union, which he busted wide open for black people, um, which is a whole nother great success story, breaking open the white construction unions uh, in Chicago. Daryl and his friends, other middle-aged black men, went there and told the white and black younger protesters, you know what, get out of here. We don't want to defund the police. We want more police in our neighborhood. And what I'm hearing from black people on the South side. When I went to research my book is they want two things. They want more police and yes, they want better police. They saw what happened in the Laquan McDonald case. That was a very yep. famous and clear case of police misconduct. And, and Emmanuel tried to cover it up and hide a uh, public release of the, uh, of the uh, videos, the body cam videos and the dash cam videos until after he won reelection. It left a really lousy smell. He, delir- he deserved more or less most of, the, most of the grief that he got for that. Um, people know about that stuff, but, but they want more and better police. And so this was really interesting to see middle-aged black men telling the younger protesters, no, man, you got it wrong. You don't speak for the community. So... This kind of stuff is starting to iterate in Chicago. And you have other people, black elders, middle-aged black people, stepping up and speaking out. And actually, in the new budget that she proposed, I haven't gotten deeply into it yet, but just in the last couple of days, Mayor Lightfoot proposed a new budget for the next fiscal year. There's actually an increase in police department funding. And I can tell you this. And I dug up some of the reports and referred to them in my book. Uh, the book has 348 footnotes, by the way. It's pretty deeply researched, but I tried to make wow. it very readable. And, it's, and if you do read it, I think you'll agree. It's both scholarly and streetwise, and I'm very proud of, of how it turned out. Definitely. And I'll let, the re- you know, I'll let the readers be the judge. But one thing that's in there, there's been a lot of reporting on this now. Cities are increasing their police budgets, in essence. Uh, if you crunch the numbers in, in a certain way, like percentage of city budget that goes toward policing rather than total dollar amount, um, yes. defund, the police, defund the police is failing. If you look at failing. the 50 largest cities and Bloomberg yeah. uh, News Service did an analysis of this a few months ago, uh, the defund movement is not catching on. So there's the rhetoric. But the reality is slightly, at least, in the opposite direction. People
2: don't well, I, I, want to be flow. We're almost we're almost done, Matt. I appreciate it. You have to come back. There's a lot more that we we need to talk about. But thank you again for mm-hmm. taking time to be on the program tonight. It was my absolute pleasure. It
0: was great talking to you yeah. guys. I yeah. hope we can talk again.
2: Okay. All right, Matt. Thank
1: you. Good night.
2: Great. Have a good. Evening. God bless America. And next week, we'll have another exciting guest, just like Matt Rosenberg, tonight on Block Talk Radio, the Cisco and Falso and Hour. Good night.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.